0: Welcome to Com Speaks, a podcast series produced by the Department of Communication Studies at Tarleton State University. On today's episode, we celebrate the department's 15th anniversary. You'll hear about what was, what is, and what will be concerning communication studies at Tarleton State as faculty, friends, and students celebrate our 15-year journey of excellence. From our studios here in Stephenville, Texas, here's your host, Dr. Tracy Hawley.
1: Welcome back, this is Dr. Tracy Hawley with the Department of Communication Studies coming in once again to introduce you to some of the faculty members in our department to get to know them outside of the classroom. And today, I have Ms. Prairie Parnell, in there? Indrus? Indrus Parnell. Indrus Parnell. Well, it's a bit the other way now. Okay, <laughs> I got it backwards. It, you know, that that one's one I always have to stop and think about because it's so odd oh. that some of our systems won't let you use both of oh, your yeah, last name. Dr. Helby Mason has the same problem, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's just a hyphen, but apparently the mm-hmm. systems, oh, yeah, it just won't <laughs> work for us. So I always forget it's not just Parnell. There is more <laughs> to that. So, pray, I'm going to start off just a little bit about your history here at Tarleton. Now, you you said you've been here since 2009. Yes. So you've been here, yes, nice, uh, 13 years, oh, 13 years, oh, that's, that's
2: why everything's <laughs>
1: That's why everything's <laughs> out this semester. Oh, no. I realized that if I didn't go thought I thought, maybe I shouldn't tell her. But you started off, tell us about the capacity you actually started off in,
2: because you weren't full-time at
1: first, were I you? I was
2: not. I came in as an adjunct, fresh out of grad school. I taught, uh, i have been teaching consistently for Lubbock Christian University since 2004. Mm-hmm. And then I finished my second master's from tech and I taught for Texas Tech. And I thought I was going to move permanently into their program, but my husband got transferred to Dallas.
1: Oh, so, yeah. Now, quickly, I'm going to butt in because you said second master's. master's. Woo-hoo, that's pretty (laughs) pretty. What is your first master's in and where is it from?
2: My first master's is a master of fine arts, which is a terminal master's in theater, with an emphasis in acting and directing, from Texas Tech as well. See, so this is what's really odd. A lot of people who don't understand academia don't get this.
1: You actually have a terminal degree if you were in a theater department. You'd be done. I would be done. done. But because you're in a different department, you don't have a terminal degree in our field or uh, what they consider related, like right. edg- higher ed or whatever. So that's just, that's so strange to me that you could have a terminal degree. But you're not a ter- yeah. so it is different in academia and it's changed a lot just over the years I've taught. So you did come on full time, but you started as a visiting, but then you moved up into you're here and that's good. All right. Excellent. Well, I wanted to tell everybody you've done such a great job and you've, you've really brought so many things to the department and this year you were rewarded for that. You are yeah. honored. You want to tell us a little bit about your reward your
2: award, not reward? <laughs> award. <laughs> um, I received the Engaged Faculty Award uh, for work with students, and I try to always keep students at the forefront of everything I do, uh, whether that's a student org or just getting out into the community or trying to recognize students that... Uh, maybe aren't getting seen the same way by other faculty, uh, especially LGBTQ students, but also students with disabilities. Um, we, I try to make sure that my student orgs are accessible to anyone and everyone. Uh, LGBTQ folk especially have a pretty strong connection to uh, kind of the Asperger's autism Uh anxiety depression kind of connections but we see it in the horse groups as well and so we just want to make sure that every student on campus is heard and, and seen and so i got out on my way to try and make sure that there's accessibility in my classes and that they feel like they can come to my class and then maybe branch off somewhere else and have right. even more uh, yeah. connection and acceptance yeah i think that's one of the greatest things you bring to tarleton is that those what we've
1: known as disenfranchised students the ones that don't get noticed it's it's not that people don't want to notice them sometimes it's that they don't know how to look you know and to see what they see and know how to approach and make this work and you bring that you you get them acknowledged to notice and that's that's a great thing you do department so congratulations on that reward award not reward you were it was well deserved it was well deserved and you do work with the lb uh, LGBTQ. EG- plus and i'm so happy you can just say plus now because i get lost after lgbtq I, I you were trying to give me the other initial and i'm just i'm old i'm old i can't do it just what a, plus thank you and thank you to all the people that did that for this old people i appreciate you doing that but but you're also a faculty advisor i believe for the gay straight alliance here yes. at tarleton tell us a little bit about that because that's such an interesting organization they're in so, so much uh, it's a
2: it's got a really diverse history when i first got here in 2009 it was called texans promoting tolerance Mm -hmm. and it was um headed up by dr quasi and then uh they sort of ran out of students they weren't attracting as many students and so by 2010 uh gsa had kind of Mm re-emerged from tpt and it had a different set of advisors and i was just going to the meetings to go to the meetings because I had been active uh, in my undergrad and graduate at my other universities. And so I was just hanging out and then one of the advisors got a different uh, job and transitioned and so I took over his position. And ever since then, (laughs) <laughs> They've been stuck with me. Um, yeah.
1: Oh, I bet they don't feel that way. <laughs> Are you the sole advisor right now? Currently, I am the sole okay. advisor. Okay, because I don't know a lot of organizations they prefer to because to split some of the duties. Yes. So right now you're you're carrying that load by yourself, and that's a big load. To we me. would
2: prefer to as well, but uh, I can't seem to keep a co-advisor. They get. Moved on to bigger and better things.
1: (laughs) Well, maybe we need to talk a little bit more about that amongst the faculty, because I bet there's someone really good that would do that. And um, since we're on this topic, I'm going to cover two things, because this is in the news a lot. First of all, I do know a lot of your research
2: is related in this area. You want to talk about some of your research? Yes, and the majority of my research focuses on transgender identity. I study the way trans people are portrayed in the media, in the news, on TV, in movies. Um, I study the way we speak about them. The, oh, that's interesting. Uh, the way that people use prefixes, like do we say you're transgendered, which you shouldn't say, or are you transgender or are you trans? And I study <laughs> how linguistically we make use of pronouns and how we protest pronouns or accept pronouns. Mm-hmm. How we argue about the singular they. <laughs>
1: um, you know, and I, I, I love, love that you're bringing this up because I've just started in my mind to try to say they, mm-hmm. even when I'm talking about he or she mm-hmm. more often, because I don't want to, first of all, misgender anyone. But also it's like our language has not caught up. And that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. We Why don't we have new pronouns? Why are we so stuck?
2: Can't we just have new pronouns well we do have new pronouns but people just don't want to use that ah tell us some of them they don't want to use it would you so we have z which is z i so z zim zare z zim zare or i always to me they sound the same but they're written differently the other one is z or g with an x so x i x e x r x e r yeah so z zim zare as well um then there's a whole component of things called neo-pronouns, which even I have to go look up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when students come and they say, okay, so my neo-pronouns my neo- are, and I'm like, cool beans, let me write that down. Mm-hmm. And then I head to Google and I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Sounds like we need a course. We do. We I need a course. Whether that's included and folded into like a gender and communication mm-hmm. course or something, I don't know. But we need a course because it's a lot to process, it's a lot to unpack. and. Pronouns are fluid. You know, gender is sex is fluid. People don't want to think people want to think there's only male or female, but it's not a binary, it's a spectrum. Right. And so our language needs to reflect that. And other cultures are further ahead than we are. Right. Um, parts of Europe are way ahead. Yeah. And then some parts of the world are way behind. behind. That's true. But
1: I did notice the other day, and I thought this was really wonderful, that at least we're making Maybe not big steps, but steps here because someone uh, helped me with a project and they signed their name. And underneath it, they put pronouns. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, what a great thing that they feel comfortable doing that and that we can do that now. And then remember them, please. You know, so yes. I just try to date there as yes, much as and I name can. name badges.
2: I need to. Yeah, name badges. I need, I need to order a new name badge with my pronouns on it. <laughs> yeah. But I can't even keep my. Uh, email signature correct because every time I swear I save it and it doesn't save and then I have to go back and do it again and then I'm grumpy. And,
1: <laughs> I can't get I mine know. to pop up. I have to insert. It's there, but I have to insert it every yes. time. I don't know what's going on with Word. Yes. But that that is interesting. <laughs> I think are any of the. We learn pronouns and for I, you, he, I can't say that on, I can't say that way we used to, Miss T. Marl made us say it because there's a dirty word in it. But, but, uh, and she didn't know that, of course. Are they teaching this in any of our schools now to the younger children about more pronouns?
2: Well, so they were, and some classes still are, but uh, there's been pushback against conservative or by conservative parents against LGBTQ information in the classroom. Okay. So there was a huge push in the field of education to say, you know, gender is fluid, gender is a spectrum, sex is fluid, sex is spectrum. Here's your, uh, your XY, your XX, your XY with a addition or a deletion or whatever, whatever. And a lot of that has been pushed back out. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that putting books with gender neutral pronouns, we know that putting books with diverse pronouns, uh, that all of those things help young children be healthier, be less depressed, be less anxious, commit less suicide. Like we know that that helps statistically. Research backs that up. Research backs that up. But those books continue to be pulled out of libraries Nearly every day. I saw the lawsuit yesterday.
1: They've now, uh, I don't remember the group, and I should know that. I said I don't, that they're suing to get Texas to put those hundred books back into the library. So, because some of them, I was like, you pulled that? And, you know, some were pulled for violence. And I'm saying, we read the Pearl, where (laughs) a baby's head was shot off. And y'all think that's violence? And no one cared when we read that. Apparently, we were much, I don't know, desensitized. I have no idea. So that's, you know, because in the end, race, gender, sex, it's all a social construct. It's all created by us. And we can break those things open and Absolutely. let it let it flow we need the language to, to to do it to do it yeah the hypothesis your language runs your thoughts your thoughts run your language that's exactly where we're at so i do think that would be a great project for you we yeah. need a course look <laughs> well, at her I would love help, to help me communication again i think that would be great we should talk I about it that back in the day and it was so much fun oh that should be. Well, we should talk about it we should <laughs> talk about uh, you know talking about get a course i think that'd be great i think it'd be interesting so uh and then the other thing, since we've been gabbing on that, is what about the current climate in Texas? There's some laws that are on the books. They, some parts have been passed, parts have not. They're pushing for parts. Mm-hmm. And it's dealing, the ones I'm talking about deal primarily with our transgender uh, children. Tell me a little bit about what's your th- what's going on in your head about that.
2: That makes me really sad. Okay. It makes me really sad. It makes me really angry. Um, it, to me, gender is a right. Gender is not something that can be legislated. Like I can't walk up to you and say, okay, hello, today you're going to be male. Done. Done. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't do that to you. That right. infringes on your personal right. That infringes on your right to freedom of expression. Personhood. Your personhood, personhood is yours. Yes. Um, and so e- we know <laughs> that even when you're little, even when you're a kiddo, you still have personhood. And if we've just I'm gonna kind of get a little more political, maybe than we talked about doing earlier. (laughs) If we've decided that personhood begins at at conception, and if we if we believe that personhood begins when you have a heartbeat, then your personhood exists in your childhood, and we know that gender is developed between the ages of two and four. By the time you're four, if your little kiddo says, "Mom, Dad, I identify as the opposite gender," believe them. They are not saying, mom, dad, I identify as a dinosaur and I'm sad I don't have a tail. That is not what's happening. Right. These little kiddos are looking at their bodies in the mirror and wanting to cut themselves or uh, they burn themselves. They do all kinds of, of disfiguration. It's just awful. And a lot of it leads, unfortunately, to suicide and early death. And we can prevent this medically through beta blockers We can do this through different types of hormone treatments that don't have to be extreme. Um, If they get into teenageness and they want breast deduction or breast augmentation, we are doing those kinds of surgeries for kids already just Mm -hmm. because they want them, right? right? Um, I went to high school with a girl who... Wanted to be a double D, and so she was exactly. And People have care. been doing augmentation for, and no one thinks anything of that. No one thinks anything of it, but if you remove your breasts or put them in when you don't have them originally, it's, so, all yeah. of a sudden that's dramatic.
1: Not, <laughs> uh, are we too just too hung up on the body and not the fact that the person is in here? I think your so. whole your whole being is in your head, in yes. your mind. That's where we. We really exist, because when that's destroyed, it doesn't matter that the rest of it works. Right. Exactly. Right. And I think we do do that.
2: We do. Uh, we, we don't take for granted that people know their own heads. Yes. And sure, sometimes there are mental illnesses that cause you maybe to not believe what's in your head. Oh, yeah. This is not one of them. That's not one of them. And,
1: we, and the American Medical Association, the psych, uh, there's... Uh, they are all on board with that. This is yes. not it once many moons ago was, for, you know,
2: but that we was we from horrible moon. things to trans people. Yeah, we do horrible things, but it's horrible things. Uh, historically, we've we've evolved a really long way and we have really good care and we can identify really early that kiddos are telling the truth. and that That's really how they feel. And you might hear stories of people who detransition. Not very common. Very uncommon. Very uncommon. It's it's like I, I've just got to tell you this. Mm-hmm. Um, when we
1: the, a few years ago, when they first started pushing to take down the Confederate flags, mm-hmm. and someone on Facebook put up this picture of this very elderly black man who had a Confederate flag in front of his head. I believe it. I said, you found the one guy and you put him all over social media. And if you notice, every time you look, it's the one guy. (laughs) I said, that is not an argument. So they go find the one Mm -hmm. example they can Mm -hmm. and ignore the plethora of children that will not go back.
2: And one of the reasons we do see primarily for detransitioning is because those people didn't get help in the beginning. If somebody had listened to them when they were little, if they had seen a a proper therapist, not a detransitioning therapist or um, a, you're an evil human and we have to rewrite your brain therapist, a conversion therapist. um, A lot of those people have said, we would have sorted this out sooner in whatever direction we needed to go. And we wouldn't have maybe, Fully transition because we would have been we would have learned that we were Mm non-binary or we would have learned that we were. One of the umpteen million stages that exist along the spectrum. Mm -hmm. But once we start cutting that care, then everything goes to the extremes. Yeah. So then you have to be 100 percent committed to whatever you are. But are we ever really like I never I identify as female. I will never wear a dress. Exactly. I never wear skirts. I don't even wear makeup. Yeah, (laughs) because someone had given me that argument.
1: Well, what if you can't tell between this little girl who thinks she's a boy and a little girl that's a tomboy? You will know the difference. You will know the difference. (laughs) Yeah, trust me on this one. Yeah, because I identify as female, but I'm not a girly girl, and I never have been. My mother wasn't either.
2: But if you stack you and I next to each other, you're definitely more feminine than me. Exactly. It's the spectrum.
1: And I think it's a sad in a way that we have any titles. We should just all just be able to flow and forget about it. it. But no. That human over there. That human over there but doing the, the thing. thing. And you made a good point though. If they want to argue that a person begins at heartbeat, then
2: personhood begins, begins at heartbeat. heartbeat. Which means that you have no control over those small children who, working with their parents and working with a licensed counselor and working with healthcare professional, are making those decisions. Yeah nobody's going around randomly stabbing kids with testosterone or actually <laughs> would, not happening I would think not I would you think not just make a trans kid out of
1: thin air yeah it won't work no, I'll mark it off. So now I'm going to jump off that. I just keep, poor thing, I'm it seem like I'm saying the same thing over and over. But I want to talk about one of the things you work, the Gay Straight Alliance, but there are other, I believe Cross Timbers does this with you, every year, the Vagina Monologue. So you just had it. How did it go?
2: It went really well this year. Um, we had to cancel one day because of the snow. Yeah, the, the ice. ice. Yeah. But we're rescheduled for March 18th in Fort Worth. So if anybody wants to come see it in Fort Worth, March 18th. Um, So we performed Friday and Saturday last week, and it went really well. Friday, we had our largest crowd to date, which was about 93 people. Oh, excellent. I know. We only have seats for 100, so it was real good. Oh, yeah. You're like, yay, but whoa.
1: (laughs) We can only get a little larger. (laughs) We're so successful now. Have you... Do you want to keep doing it every year the same the vagina monologues, or do you ever think
2: about ch- ch- doing a different uh, play, a different reading? So I'm of two minds on this because okay. I feel like I would love I would love to retire it and say, you know what we have solved women's issues on campus. There's no more assault. women are treated equitably. Uh, female students are not getting harassed in class. We're okay with saying the word vagina, but we're not. Mm-hmm. So I think until we hit that point, I feel like there's a need for it to keep happening, whether it happens in conjunction with something else or not. I Every year I kind of debate that. And every year I add different monologues or I take monologues that people locally write and add them in so that there is more diversity. You're not just hearing the same 12 pieces over and over again. So if you do go see the show every year, you will get different new stuff each time. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some different pieces. Eve Ensler, the author of The Vagina Monologues, has a couple of other monologue type performances that I would really like to do. One of them is about body image Mm. uh, and talking to women about, it is still women focused, (laughs) uh, their (laughs) their body image all over the world, which is really interesting. And it's also based on interviews. And then she's got one called A Memory, A Monologue, A Rant, and A Prayer Oh, that's a collection of essays. So they were not specifically written for monologues. She went out and said, okay, here's this essay on feminism. Here's this essay on chauvinism. Here's this essay on LGBTQ rights and compiled them all. Oh, interesting. So that one's almost more of a book book. Right. But you're supposed to pick and choose different ones that you want to do every year. I kind
1: of like that middle one about body image all over the world because I've always said it's not that I'm overweight. I'm out of time because in the Renaissance I would be beautiful. That's yes. all I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> Men would follow me, just trail me down the hall. Oh, look at her! But now it's yes. like, woo, she's. They would say she's so healthy. She's well fed. fed. Let's she follow got her.
2: Nutrients.
1: Yeah, <laughs> she can give me healthy babies. So That's let's follow I mean. her. Oh dear. Okay, so we're going to kind of start winding this down, and I'm going to take you in another direction now because I've just beat you to death in that one. But one of the other things, you are the faculty advisor for the equestrian team. You've been involved with the... um, um, well, Horses, and I was going to say the fancy word if I'm playing it's not bovine, that's cows, equestrian. And I just said the word and then I forgot I said it. Th- that entire area, but you do some really special things with it. Will you talk to us about that a little while? I do.
2: So, I'm the I do have a co advisor for the equestrian team. Excellent. Uh, Dr. Jones in uh, equine science is my co advisor, and she's awesome. So, I picked up the equestrian team in 2012, 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. Um, and we were um, we were kind of in bad shape at that point in time. They hadn't really had an advisor. They've mm-hmm. been real hands off and they had done some naughty college things. And so I came in and I said, we're gonna ship shape this. Cause I showed, uh, I just say, it's the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, both as a graduate student and an undergraduate student. And what's really neat about our program here is that we partnered the equestrian team, which are all college students, with the TREAT program, the therapeutic riding program at Tarleton. Um, And I'm also, I got certified in grad school. So I'm a PATH certified instructor, which is the Professional Association for Therapeutic Horsemanship, which means I can teach riding lessons to persons with disabilities. So, and we cover the spectrum. We go from autism to spina bifida and, anything else in the alphabet that you want to cover (laughs) we are theoretically licensed to handle it although i can tell you that there are plenty of ones that i have looked up because i'm like i don't know what that is so i'm gonna go do some research (laughs) Um, but the equestrian team rides the horses for the treat kiddos and keeps them in shape and behaving and safe so that when the kids from uh, rock house or in the community come and ride they have good horses to work with
1: that's great. You know, every so much of the things you do are, again, with the people that often aren't noticed or often don't have that outlet. And uh, that's really amazing, you. That's incredible. Um, keep it up, girl. You're doing a great job. makes me happy. Oh, it, should. <laughs> it should. It should. It should. Okay, so last horrific question. I always try to do one weird one at the oh, end. Goodness. But it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I want you to look at your career right now. What oh, you gosh. doing? Okay. You know. You're at the Tarleton campus. You're on the Fort Worth campus. You're here. You do this. You're in that club. You're do, you do. teach this class. You do. What is the one thing, if you had the power to come into Tarleton and say we need this, what is the one thing you would do? Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I'll get you. Right there at the I'm here.
2: into Tarleton and change one thing.
1: One thing you could make this thing happen. What would you make happen? Wow.
2: This is going to sound really weird, but I think I would, um, what would be part of a, it would have to be a larger plan, right? Yeah, it could be. (laughs) I want a big plan where our faculty Mm -hmm. and staff are truly diverse. Like, they're a third non-binary and a third heterosexual and a third homosexual. And they're a mix of every ethnicity anywhere. Mm -hmm. So that our students whenever they were walking into a classroom would get a totally new perspective on the world every class they took. Oh. And that there would be a way I would love to see like a cooperative, maybe this is my hippie route showing because my parents were both hippies. <laughs> 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 but I would love to see a way to like share a perspective. Like if I teach, I don't know, uh, the theory of relational dialectics in interpersonal and then somebody else from a different ethnicity or... Uh, because I'm in a heterosexual relationship, somebody from a homosexual relationship comes in and says, here's how it would look slightly different from From my perspective.
1: So we see all the perspectives and we get
2: the picture because we just don't have the picture. We just don't have the big picture. And I don't know that any university does.
1: I, well, it's it's almost imp- to say that we could do that perfectly would be great, but it's almost mm-hmm. impossible because how do you do that? How because one time, okay, I'll tell you this little secret. Mm-hmm. Somebody I said to someone, wouldn't it be great if Congress was like that? Mm-hmm. If a certain percent of Congress was African American, because mm-hmm. let's see, fourteen point seven percent, and you know, <laughs> they just looked at me like, and how would you do that? And I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> I just said it would be nice. Everybody has <laughs> the prop. This part, we're sixty-four percent of the population. We can only be sixty-four
2: percent of Congress. This is, you know, I just thought that would make sense. But then I don't know how it would make it happen. No, I think it would make. And that's kind of what I envision. I guess is the. Not even to match the student body, right? Because our student body is predominantly rural and white. and But isn't that because we don't have the diversity in the faculty? See, I think it becomes the, the Ouroboros, the snakey. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't ever, you have to solve one in order to solve the other but maybe you have to solve both at the same time. Yeah, But Um, then
1: again, it's nice to have a place too for the rural uh, students to come and and have. And just because you're rural doesn't mean you haven't been exposed to these. Exactly, people, that's one of the things I talked with Dr. Uh, Edwards about. With her rural communication, is people we tend to stereotype what this is, and then when you get out amongst you, go, oh, they're completely different than I thought they would oh, be. Yeah. Absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely, and and you know, having the faculty be able to help them look at a different way, also, I think just the student walking in the classroom and can see themselves reflected back. Yeah, I think that often makes a very big impact yes, on them and their absolutely. learning. Even if it's just one class out of the seven they have that semester, it makes a big difference. Well,
2: and I have I've had students tell me. Over the years, because I, it probably shows up on my rate, right, my professors, I don't know, I, I try not to look at those. <laughs> um, but I know that I've been told that I pay too much attention to LGBTQ issues and I spend too much time on racial issues or ethnic issues. But I think that's important because the students who are minorities in my classroom, they don't get those lectures. Mm-hmm. They don't get that focus on themselves. Um, people don't pay attention to disability rules, right? Um, we, I had a student the other day, I don't know, I don't know them. They were coming across campus in a power chair and somebody Mm -hmm. just stepped out in front of them, like totally oblivious to the fact that this person is walking here Mm -hmm. and then told them to go around, like told the student in the chair to go around. Well, that's just rude on so many counts, not just because it's a power chair, but like you're just walking in front of somebody like, we just need to be more aware and, and I think we do that through representing that in the classroom.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I realized that that might put me out of a job because I'm a traditional white married woman. <laughs> so I will have to
1: quit. So then... <laughs> That's fine, I do. Oh well, I'm retiring in a few years. There'll be a slot. Maybe you can make it happen, Prairie. There, you go. there we go. Who knows? Well, Prairie, I want to thank you for coming in today. This has been really fun talking to oh, you. Oh, well, thank you. For we don't me. really get enough chance to chat, so it was no. nice chatting with you myself. But also, I think to let the people out there know who we have here in the department. We are more diverse than people think, because they really don't know what we're, all the finger, all of the pies we have our fingers in, all the yes. who we are no. and what we really uh, are up to. So I want to thank you again. This was a great time, and thank you all for listening, and
2: we'll be back soon. Thank you so much for having me.
0: For more information about our podcast series or the Department of Communication Studies at Tarleton, visit us online at tarleton.edu communications, or find us on social media by searching for Tarleton Department.